Welcome to another episode of Not Your Average Feminist. We may not be your average feminist today, but tomorrow we will be. I'm Amanda. I'm Christina. And I'm Sarah. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Not Your Average Feminist podcast. This is Amanda, and I'm here with Christina. Say hello. Hello. (laughs) And Sarah is once again out um, on, I guess, what we're calling maternity leave. Um, So it's just Christina and I tonight, but we have a very special episode in store for you, Um, especially if you're a fan of Grey's Anatomy, which how could you not be, right? Um, They're in their, what, 15th season right now? Or is it 16? Um, I think it's maybe, I think it's 15, but it's also the longest running um, medical TV show on television. Like more than ER? More than, more than ER. Wow. They surpassed ER like a month ago in episodes. That's insane. Yeah. Um, I remember watching Grey's Anatomy like when it premiered and I was in high school. It's been on for a very it, long yeah, time. Yeah, it was a long time ago. I think I was like a freshman. I don't remember. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. But um, the point is we are discussing a particular episode of Grey's Anatomy tonight. And even if you are not a fan of Grey's Anatomy, I think you'll still find this episode interesting. Um, and if you are, then definitely uh, stay tuned. Um, but also I should warn anyone out there listening who's a fan and maybe a little behind that there is going to be some spoilers so if you want to avoid spoilers, um, maybe uh, go catch up on Grey's and then come back and listen. Um, so tonight, uh, and actually, Christina, you're the one that had the idea to do this episode. Um, you and I both watch Grey's. We've watched it yes. for a long time. Um, and they had an episode a couple of weeks ago um, called what was it silent silent all these yeah silent all these years there you go um and it's been dubbed like one of the most emotional episodes of Grey's Anatomy ever or the most moving I will say that as a fan of Grey's Anatomy with all of the deaths that have occurred on the show I didn't find this as like sobbing emotional like when certain characters die but I found it to be powerful and moving the way that Shonda Rhimes and her like team writes these episodes mm-hmm. it's unbelievable how moving and like chilling and kind of like like <clears> goosebumps. Goosebumps. Yeah, yeah, yeah because I'm always a couple weeks behind but I had like seen the coverage and so um I knew that this episode was gonna be like intense and so I watched it and it did not let me down. It was intense and powerful and moving. But I'm going to, since you've watched it a couple of times, I'm going to let you kind of give a brief synopsis of what happened in the episode so that people can understand what we're talking about before we talk okay. about it. So why don't you go ahead and do that? So Silent All These Years, the, why, the reason they named the episode that name is because it was a song written by Tori Amos in like the early 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, for those that aren't familiar with Tori Amos, she's like a female feminist I guess singer she sings a lot about um she was raped so she sings a lot about like things like that she's really really big in the 90s like pre Sarah McLaughlin <laughs> little fair kind of stuff um she kind of has a cult following mm-hmm. I personally love Tori Amos um she actually was born and raised in Rockville Maryland oh my gosh um, okay yeah um and like grew up in a very religious family um that kind of shunned the whole idea of her sexual assault so 
one of the bigger things is, you know, they go into the story and it's kind of like a dual purpose episode. So, um, you know, Shonda Rhimes and her team really just know how to write a story. Like, I don't know any other team that can do it, but she, um, in this episode, they talk about two different situations. They talk about the fact that Joe, who is one of the main characters, he's married to Alex Karev, who's been the original, who was one of the original guys on the show. Um, is trying to find her birth mom, finds out her birth, finds her birth mom, realizes that her birth mom is um, a victim of rape. And she is the child of that situation. So you go through the whole process of Alex or Joe really not understanding how to handle it. But on the flip side, it's also showing her working in the hospital with a rape victim that came in that had went to the bar the night before. And it was a woman who was fighting with her husband about like laundry. And she comes into the hospital with, wounds consistent of a violent sexual assault and they convince her to ha- she had to have surgery because they i can't remember if they like ruptured her spleen something, something like it was something that. that caused her to have a surgery um so these two basically storylines are going on during this entire episode mm-hmm. um one of the big things that they talk about um is during the episode they show that the um, there's a hallway scene in it. So they pu- they page all of the female doctors and nurses in the hospital and staff, I guess, all the female staff, basically, yeah. into the hospital, into the hallway while they're moving this woman down the hallway and w- getting ready to go to surgery. Mm-hmm. So it was that part was extremely moving because it shows how these women were supporting this one patient. Right. Um, they go on saying how, mm-hmm. you know, Dr. Oh, gosh. Teddy Altman is back in the show for anyone that watches it, which may not. Um, but she's there and she basically was a ER or trauma doctor in the army. And she said to Joe that, you know, what you did was not protocol today. And she was very apologetic and she's like, but it absolutely should be. Yeah. Um, and then even towards the end of the episode, they show that Ben, who is married to Dr. Bailey, is um, basically step parenting their son, talking about the importance of consent. Um, you know, so the mix of that for me, at least was very powerful because it's, it's difficult being a step parent to try to give any type of con, like any type of real advice or anything like that to a, a, a stepchild. Yeah. So the way that they showed that Ben did it over burgers and something super <clears throat> casual, um, but talking to that, his stepson Tucker about it was really, really important. Yeah. Um, you know, I felt that the, you know, <clears throat> the fact that parents are now talking to kids about this is, is a big deal. I mean, um, so the going through the consent thing, I mean, it was, yeah. it was a really moving, difficult episode um, just to, just to see <clears throat> and just to yeah. kind of sit through. I mean, now reading about the episode, I didn't realize there right. were like <laughs> social issues that they, they wrote. Yeah, the so for, let's, but... <laughs> let's, um, let's uh, pivot to that just real quick, because um, when I was, you know, kind of reading up on this again today in preparation for this recording. Um, one of the things I found was an interview from the sh- a couple of the show writers who said that this episode was 100% inspired by um, the Christine Blasey Ford testimony about Brett Kavanaugh. So I guess my first question to you is after, and so I immediately obviously texted you and I was like, oh, yeah. did you know that? And you didn't. So like, did that change your opinion of the episode at all? No. 
I mean, I feel like the writers write in, I mean, all Grey's Anatomy is right now is kind of like a reflection on how they view society. So you can see it within the last few seasons. They start to touch on more controversial issues that like more progressives want to talk about. So you get the the gun issues, you get the, you know, obviously this type of issue. Um, But they started talking about more and more like social things, like even like taking a knee from, like, the whole Colin Kaepernick stuff. Mm-hmm. They've addressed it within the seasons of Grey's Anatomy. Um, yeah. So they're writing in kind of modern-day themes. Right. So it doesn't necessarily change my mind on this episode. I thought the episode was a really... It was really moving. It was really important. It's something we don't see on television. Yeah. So I definitely agree with that. I, I felt like it was very moving, um, very heavy, but in, like, a good... Um, What's the right word? Like redeeming way. Like it was very heavy um, and not necessarily what I want when I sit down to watch Grey's Anatomy. But I I didn't feel like dragged down by it at the end. I I felt like kind of uplifted by it, even though it was a really heavy and like kind of disturbing um, story. Um, But that said, you know, I'll just read a little bit from this interview with one of the writers Um, of the episode and I'll put this whole interview in the show notes but um, one of the writers and of course I don't remember her name and I didn't write it down but she was interviewed by the Hollywood Reporter um, and is talking about how the episode came about because Camilla Luddington who plays Joe um, called her the day of the Kavanaugh hearing with Christine Blasey Ford and basically said that like we have to do something on this my character, like, I know that we're going to introduce my character's mom this season. We should make my character a product of rape. And, like, we should do – we have to do a whole episode on this. And so that's how it happened. The writer goes on to say um, – see if I can find this whole quote. Okay. She says, many places um, – I was directing an episode – and the Christine Blasey Ford testimony happened and the Kavanaugh confirmation happened. I felt that through my whole body, the way a lot of women did. She got up and told her truth and a lot of pundits questioned whether she knew what she was talking about or if she could be believed or remember the face of someone who attacked her years ago. It was a pretty powerful moment to watch all of that. I felt that the most damaging thing that happened in all of that is that young women and men everywhere were told that consent was irrelevant. So that's what the writer of the episode is saying about the episode. So it did change my outlook just a tiny bit. So I, you know, and and people, even if you don't watch Grey's Anatomy, I would encourage you to go watch this episode because it it doesn't totally like there's a lot in there about Joe and her mom and stuff, but you don't have to know the history of all these characters to be able to appreciate this one episode. So I would encourage everyone to go watch it. Um, uh, Tangent, but it did change my opinion just a little bit, if I'm on, like being completely honest, just knowing what the episode was born out of. Because um, it seems to me like if you're going to do an episode that's kind of inspired by the Kavanaugh hearings, even if, and, and maybe I'm getting political, but like even if you're a progressive, it seems weird to me that your takeaway would be like, we have to do an episode about consent now. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, but I, I mean, I thought, I thought that I even like hearing about it and like reflecting back, 
what's funny is because before I even like when I rewatched the episode last night, before I even knew that 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 was why they wrote it in my notes, I wrote, are we in a time that we need to fully discuss consent and when did the what like like things I mean I have like multiple notes on why is consent so important I don't know if it's something mothers have discussed with their sons previously but obviously it must be imperative now how is a society do we fight back right I mean like I have like three things of notes on on consent like just the importance of it because I mean right so so I, yes, the takeaway from this episode is consent, like 100%. Like, yes. the conversations between Ben and Tucker totally drive that home. The conversations when the the victim is um, struggling with whether or not to go through with the rape kit, that's all. And, and she's talking about what, what, what good is me going through a rape kit if it's just going to sit in a warehouse somewhere and, like, no one's going to believe me when alcohol was involved. Like, yeah. Yeah. The takeaway from that is, at the end of the day, like, how do we deal with and and even with Joe's Joe's mom? So in every situation, every issue, because Joe's mom voluntarily went on a date with a guy Mm -hmm. and went ended up horribly and ended up horribly. Yeah, so the consent was a big issue there as well. Like, I mean, consent the central issue of Christine Blasey Ford's testimony against Brett Kavanaugh. No, no, that's why to me it seems like why why do a whole episode about consent which is incredibly important and heavy and worthwhile and then just and then that say like oh this was inspired by brett kavanaugh well what they also didn't discuss in that article that you sent me and read is that this season is the longest season that Grey's anatomy's ever done so they added two episodes so they added a they added a joe-centric episode which was not supposed to be written into the series and then they added an amelia-centric episode which was also not supposed to be written into the series so the season was extended which Amelia episode? You probably haven't watched it yet. It I'm, was like last week or two weeks ago. Was it the trip to New York with Lincoln? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I watched that. Yeah. Anyway, so okay. what was the yeah. point of that episode? They, they just have to. They were asked to record okay. more episodes. Right. So, well, so that's another topic, reason. So. That's another reason why mm-hmm. they did this show episode. So they probably needed content for it, and this is just an easy excuse to be like, "Oh, let's talk about consent." I mean, it was powerful. It was totally powerful. It I don't want to downplay. Powerful. I don't want to downplay the power of that episode or how well done it was. Um, but gosh, it bugs me that they're trying to trace it back to the Brett Kavanaugh stuff because yeah. the the central question over Brett Kavanaugh was like, not, it didn't really have anything to do with consent, and it wasn't telling young men and women everywhere that consent doesn't matter. The central issue was like can we destroy a man based on one person's memory from 30 years ago that has lots of holes and no one else can corroborate it? Is that enough to destroy a man's life? Yeah. Like that was, that's the question of the Brett Kavanaugh stuff. Not the consent aspect. No, not, not consent. Not is consent good or bad. Not is rape good or bad. Not should men or boys get away with rape. Like that was not this, the question no. with Brett Kavanaugh. With Brett Kavanaugh, you had one woman saying that he did it and one man saying he absolutely did not do it under oath, saying that he did not do it. And they both said it under oath. They both had very strong uh, truths. And like, and the, and the question that I know that you and I struggled with when we talked about it back at the time was like, how do you, how are you supposed to believe her over him when like, 
they're both saying something that they believe to be true. Do we just believe the woman because she's a woman? And that her truth is, like, harder? Like you read in that article, her truth. When they heard her truth. Right. I mean, her truth is her truth. But it's not the truth. Right. So no one is making that distinction. And and because he's a white, privileged male, we're just going to discount his truth? Like, that, that was what, the whole thing that got me with the Brett Kavanaugh thing was, like, you're asking me to believe her based on nothing but her words, but we're supposed to ignore Brett Kavanaugh and his words because he's a man? Well, the other, I, there was a lot of things about the Brett Kavanaugh stuff that bothered me. <laughs> we could go down that whole rabbit hole of how. But we wouldn't even be talking about it again if they hadn't aired this and if yeah. I hadn't, if they hadn't been like, oh, this is, this whole episode is because of Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah. I mean, I actually had my husband watch it with me. He did. Yeah, he was awake. And I was like, oh, I'm going to put this episode on. I've been really meaning to watch it. And being that he was law enforcement for a long time, after the episode, we sat and it actually brought up, like, cases that he worked. So he was saying when he first became a police officer, um, there was a call about a woman being raped. And he was the closest officer to respond. So he made it but could not capture the guy. And the woman was... Um, basically in the in the road like naked and it was middle of the winter and he used his uniform jacket to wrap her up and like took her back to the station it was just like he said it was very very emotional and they could never they never caught the guy but what was like one his weird memory from the whole situation on top of how emotional it was and how like horrible Mm -hmm. it was because she trusted she ended up trusting him was Mm -hmm. he got in trouble because she never gave back his coat that he wrapped her in he actually oh, had, uh, they fined him, like, money or something like that, and he had to pay, and he was like, this is a jacket that probably represents um, some sort of safety for her, because he was the first person on the scene when it happened, and he automatically took his winter jacket off, because it was the middle of the winter, wow. and wrapped her in it, and she kept it, and he's like, I'm not going to go back and ask for that, if that's something yeah. that she, that reminds her, reminds her of the evening at all, and she either kept it, or got rid of it, or whatever the case was, and didn't feel the need to bring it back, he's like, At that point, that's fine. And I'll pay whatever you... But they were going to write him up for it. Like, they put it in his performance review. Yeah. And he's like, you've got to be kidding me. This woman suffered enough. I'm not going to go knock on her door to bring back all these memories. Give me my... Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So he ended up arguing with, like, his supervisor over it. It was a really big deal. But he and I sat and talked about, you know, the situations of, of cases similar to that. I mean, the fact that he he dealt with it. And we even talked about like a friend of mine from high school was raped. And we, we talked about things like that. I mean, we, it brought up a whole world of like a bigger discussion that we've never had. We've been together for 11 years and I've never talked about anything like this. Um, Well, it's, it's also interesting. And I'd be curious to see if he has any thoughts on this. I don't know if you guys talked about the rape kits themselves. Um, I, I don't know a ton about this issue, but, um, I was thinking about it because there's this, you know, this, this scene in the episode where Joe is trying to get her to consent to doing a rape kit so that they can like test the guy. And she's, you know, giving the patient all the reasons why she should go do it. Um, because, you know, whether or not she wants to pursue something now, she might want to in the future and, but it won't be, she won't be able to, if they don't do a rape kit. Um, 
but there is like a, a problem in this country with backlogs of rape kits and rape kits just sitting in closets, like in offices. You know, See, we, did, I, we did not discuss that, so I have no I'd idea. I'm curious. <laughs> I do know that it's a thing because it's been it's come up a lot in a lot of these like governors races, mm-hmm. um, and like AG races. And so I'm just I, I wonder like what the deal is there, and I wish I knew more about it. I'll have to read up on it, but I do know. Um, that that is a valid concern and something that isn't talked about as much when we talk about this issue is like what what happens to these rape kits and what do we how do we make sure that women who go through the trauma of like having to go through a rape kit test or whatever they call it like yeah. how do we make sure that that's not done in vain yeah you know? they they don't have to suffer the trauma again for no I mean, reason yeah yeah so that's that that was another thing I thought was really interesting about the episode that they actually talked about the rape kit thing and like whether or not it's worth it for these yeah. victims. Um, so I don't know. It was a really powerful episode. I do- definitely agree with you. And I'm glad that I, I'm not, you, you know, I'm glad that they did it. Um, but I, I'd be lying if I said the Blasey Ford thing didn't, didn't like taint it a little bit. Yeah. Me. I mean, I feel like everything that they write at this point is so like, underlying like triggered with I mean there was an episode last season when um they had a deport somebody get deported and it was one of the interns or whatever and they sent her because like many yeah 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 so I mean they and that was when it was really big during the ice deportation stuff so I mean they go through their faces and they're very unhappy with the administration right now so they just they write negatively about anything government or anything basically that they can at this point because they probably don't think about their viewership i mean if you look at like um ellen pompeo's twitter feed she's basically like a mini Alyssa milano really Uh, yeah oh my gosh super big yeah so i mean you have to like every like i'm sure yeah Uh, but i mean I love Shonda Rhimes and I like in the notes that I took for tonight's episode, I wrote Shonda Rhimes is a fucking beast. <laughs> and she and, is. And it's because she writes these shows and she has, you know, Grey's Anatomy has almost all women leads on the show. And she's yeah. always written really strong female characters from, yeah. from Grey's Anatomy to Scandal to Private Practice to um, how to get away with murder how to get away with murder i mean she has another one on that i watched like an episode of and oh, I, that lawyer on, show the lawyer show yeah yeah i need to watch that um but she just she's she just, just so good she's yeah so i mean I, that's why when i watch tv shows generally speaking it's like politics aside here's here's um, an interesting question not to interrupt you but since we're since you're talking about it like do you ever get annoyed because sometimes i do but do you ever get annoyed that like you have to turn that stuff off when you watch shows like these. Like you have to, you constantly, or at least I feel like I constantly have to be like, okay, I'm going to try to forget that I know everything about this actress's politics because she's so vocal about it, but I just want to enjoy the show. So I'm going to, I have to work double time to like disassociate her from her politics. Yeah. And I mean, for instance, like I, like really Ellen Pompeo like if I don't I don't follow her on Twitter for that reason so I don't know mm-hmm. so I try not to follow like I purposely try not to follow celebrities because I just don't want to know yeah and and like what kills I'm me is like gonna be disappointed but like even with musicians nowadays you kind of like have to 
think about it in a different way. I mean, like you and I both love Brothers Osborne. I and Mar- know. And Marin Morris. I know. And, and Eric Church. And, and like well, they Eric have. Church, Eric Church's stances, if you actually read the Rolling Stone article, the headlines uh-huh. were much worse okay. than what the actual article well, said. Well, okay, yeah. Eric that's Church that's doesn't that's vote. Good. His wife voted for Trump. I mean, oh, really? he's a gun owner. He just doesn't like the NRA. Okay. Yeah. Well, so there's like, okay. the Eric, I, I will separate Eric Church. But you're but right. Like the, the brothers and Marin and who else? Um, there was someone else, I feel like, recently in country music that made a splash. Um, you know, Keith Urban, yeah. Dirk Bentley. Uh-huh. I mean, they all are at this point. Carrie Underwood's. Um, I don't even want to know. Please loves, don't tell me. Yeah. I mean, but it's, it's across the board. So but if, do you if we, find that so frustrating? Yes, I do because I don't I don't care what they think. I'm here to be entertained and like I don't want to go like when we saw Tim McGraw in concert. Uh, he made oh, a comment. Yeah, that's right. Before he and Faith were on stage singing Humble and Kind, he made a comment about the man that lives in the White House. Uh, and it's I like can we not? I mean Yeah. But I mean, like I just saw Billy Currington in concert, not a single yeah, E F T I by the way. <laughs> one, of my, one, one of my friends is like a huge Billy Currington fan and she actually bought the tickets so okay. she bought two right. tickets and she actually got seated tickets because she loves them she got noticed she got her hat signed he signed autographs for like 45 Jeez. minutes afterwards and it, he is like number one on her like to-do list I, so she would cheat on her husband with him that's hilarious <laughs> um that's really funny. So it was very like spur of the moment. Like she texted me and she's like, I just bought tickets. Which, and I was like, I will go. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But her son lives in Nashville and she wants to go to CMA Fest next year. So off topic, Ooh, but dude, we, should, we should talk about this offline. <laughs> I know. We'll talk about it offline. Um, anyway, I guess my whole point is like sometimes when the political world and cultural world like intersect too much I find it highly annoying same here I'm not saying that that's the case with this Grey's Anatomy episode but it's just like while we're on the subject and I'm not I'm not even saying like oh you're an actor you're a singer just shut up and sing like I'm not saying that like everyone has a right to voice their political opinions I get that like if you feel called to do it do it but I also have a right to like kind of be annoyed just because Nine times out of ten, I'm going to be disappointed, and I don't want someone's political affiliations to or political beliefs to like cloud how I enjoy their content. Yes, it's why I generally don't agree with boycotts. Yeah, it's why um, I don't want to know what the brothers Osborne think. I just yeah. don't like. I know they have opinions out there. I really don't want to hear them because yeah. I I love their music so much, and like I don't want to be disappointed. I mean, I um funny and you may not even know who this is maybe our listeners don't either um so I grew up and my dad was a huge folk music fan and I grew up listening to a lot of folk music and a lot of like Woodstock era not generally like jammy like lots of electric guitars type of things my dad's favorite group growing up was Crosby, Stills, and Nash okay when I was growing up yeah so when the year after he passed away I went to see them in concert Mm-hmm. and it was when George Bush was president, and it was a guy that I was dating at the time. He and I, like, went and got seats, and we go to see Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and 30 minutes of the show was them being political. Oh, and gosh. it was about the war and about 9-11, and, you know, this is, like, 2007, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And I was so turned off, and, like, this is a 
band that I grew up listening to as a kid. My parents have not let us listen to a lot of music like independently for a long time. Yeah. So, I mean, we used to watch Crosby, Stills, Nash on TV. Like anytime they would have concerts, my dad would tape them and we'd watch them. And, you know, things like like, it was just. Can you enjoy their music now? Yes, I still can. I would just never see them in concert again. Like I've seen Bruce Springsteen in concert and I love, love, love him. Mm-hmm. he's probably, super political too right super political yeah he wasn't that bad when i saw him in concert he played at nationals park a few years ago when obama was in office mm-hmm. before election cycles so he was totally good and you didn't yeah. have to worry about much political talk but you listen to him now and it's like i don't know oh, if I, stomach, like I don't sermon. and and like i'm from new jersey and me saying that i don't know at this point if i could go see the boss live is a real big deal yeah, well, I mean, it's true, though. And sometimes I wonder, do these do these entertainers ever, like, like second-guess getting so political? Like, half the country is conservative, right? Yeah. Like, half the country is liberal. Half the country, basically, is conservative. Like, do they not care about alienating fans? Probably like, not. I, I, mean... I, I do wonder about that sometimes. Like, if I mean, if you're Bruce Springsteen, you probably don't care. If your brother's Osborne or Marin Morris, like at this point, you know, they're successful, but they're not like household names or anything. Yeah. Like, I wonder if they care about like alienating audiences. I'm not saying that they should, but I, I do sometimes wonder like, the more political you get, like, why do you worry about turning off people? Like, if you're Shonda Rhimes, do you worry about? people not tuning in to Grey's Anatomy anymore if you make it too political? Like, well, I don't know. they look at their viewership and their demographics of what their viewership would be, and they were able to base around it. I mean, I think the you more... You think, like, just more... You think more liberals watch Grey's Anatomy? Probably, yeah. At this point? But, I mean, but you look at, like, they're probably able to pull demographic information um, and look at, like, back-end, like, surveying and stuff like that to see what people watch it, and, like, their fans on all the social oh my media gosh. channels. And we didn't even talk about the big one, Taylor Swift. Who, for a long time, everyone was like, you have to tell us how you feel about politics. Like, all through 2016, and she was totally silent. And then all of a sudden, last year, she decides to endorse politicians and get Mm -hmm. political. And she's going to start donating money to campaigns in 2020. (sighs) Oh, my gosh. I know. I'm just like. She has a new song coming out. No, I know. I know. As we but, but... this episode, it has not been dropped yet. We've got a few more hours. Yeah, <laughs> which I'm very excited about. And I'm always Team Taylor. Go, Taylor. I love you. And I'm always going to listen to your music. But but for the longest time, I was like, I love, I'm like, so the more that she stays silent on politics, the more that I love her. Yeah. And I don't want her political actions to cloud how I feel about her music. Like, I'm, I'm actually very worried about this. And I, yeah. I'm like, Amanda, be an adult. You're, like, almost 30 years old. You can handle this. Like, it'll be fine. But, gosh, I, you know, it, I would love to listen to her but next to play, album like, and know that, she, like, not and, – and I just don't want to know, like, who she's giving her money to. Montgomery Gen- – or not Montgomery Gentry. Gosh, excuse me. But, like, Big and Rich talk uh-huh. about politics. Yeah, but I don't they're not—they're like not that big. Like, there's they're Big and Rich, there's Trace Atkins, there's I don't know some other names, Hank Williams Jr. or whatever. Yeah. But they're not, but, you know, they're like even even looking at like TV shows, for instance. Mm-hmm. So, like, I I would say say like the most overtly conservative program right now is 
probably going to be uh, um, Tim Allen's show. What is it? Mm-hmm. Uh, Last I, Man I've, Standing. Last Man Standing. Which I've actually never love, watched. Oh, it's it's fantastic. It's really okay. great. Um, and I like it. I mean, it's good when my stepson was younger, we would watch it like kind of as a family, just like we did with Duck Dynasty. When Duck mm-hmm. Dynasty was on because it was a good family program. We could watch it all together. We didn't have to worry mm-hmm. about dealing with questions of like he yeah. would not watch he I couldn't have let him watch Grey's Anatomy when he was younger now that he's 16 it's like that if, if I if he wanted to choose to watch Grey's Anatomy over what he watches regularly I'd be happy yeah. but <laughs> um but I mean I don't want po- politi- po- like any politicizing of anything during any of what I do at I all oh I know same here I just don't want to know about what anyone thinks. I know. And, and it's crazy because we both work in politics. But maybe yeah. it's because, like, that's what we do 9 to 5. And when we come home and, like, want to unwind and just kind of enjoy our guilty pleasures, for lack of a better word. Like, I don't want to deal with someone's politics. Like, I just don't care at that point. Yeah. Nope. I am the exact same way. I mean, they but going we're back- also probably in the, minor- in the minority, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I but I like don't agree with boycotts. I've actually only boycotted one product in my entire what life. What was it? Ben and Jerry's ice cream. You boycotted Ben and Jerry's. I will never eat Ben and Jerry's. Wait, what did they do? I forget. Remind so, me. in the eighties, a Philadelphia police officer was killed mm-hmm. in cold blood. Basically, it was just shot on the street, not break, not really doing anything, just walking. And was killed. And Ben and Jerry's, the owners, the founders, this is before they, like, sold off, mm-hmm. were using profits to donate to the Free Mumia Fund to get this guy off of death row in Pennsylvania. So they were paying Ooh, for a man who ballistically, all of the evidence came back to him being the one that pulled the trigger that killed this officer. And they were giving money to free him. Oh, yeah. And that is the only time I've ever boycotted a product. In my entire life. So to this day, you don't eat Ben and Jerry's. So to this day, I have I haven't eaten Ben and Jerry's in like probably f- at least fifteen years. Wow. Yeah. And Their American I, Dream flavor is oh so good. But you know, yeah, that that makes sense. That makes sense. I, it was I grew up right outside of Philadelphia, and yeah. it was a really big deal. Um, I was not born when the shooting happened, but it was a big deal. Like during the trial, I mean, to the point where this they. The guy, the murderer, is still going through the process because celebrities donate money to this fund to try to get him off of death row, to try to get him free. And this poor, the Daniel Faulkner is the name of the officer who was killed. Um, His wife has to go through this every time that they try to pull up for appeals or dismissals or whatever they're going through. And and his poor wife. And no one cares about her. Nobody cares about her. And it's one of those things, I mean, we just, as a society, like, just assume getting behind these, like, causes are a great idea, but nobody thinks about this woman who lost her husband, and he didn't have to die. Yeah. Like, it just didn't need to and happen. And Ben and Jerry's even... doesn't have to give money to get this dude off death row. No, and they did it, and it, w- it would have been one thing if it was, like, the founder that did it independently, but it was, like, the company did it yeah. itself. Yeah. And then they sold off. So, like, I mean, I've still boycotted them because I just yeah. don't want them to get any revenue out of me. Like, so, oh, that but th- that's the only moral boycott that I've ever done. And, like, yeah. being, a, like, a Second Amendment supporter, I 
did not boycott Levi's or Yeti or any of those ridiculous things. Yeah, I won't do that either. I don't do any of those. I actually love Levi's. They're my favorite jeans. Dude, I like <laughs> Levi's too. Yeah. And my only issue with Yeti is that it's just so overpriced. Yes. Like, that's why I don't really own much Yeti. But No, and um, like, if I find things, like, every once in a while you can get Yetis at Home Goods. Yeah. It's pretty legit. So I do buy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would too. I would too. Totally. Um, all right. Well, I think this was a good conversation. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to add about the episode or Grey's Anatomy? I, or... I do. Ooh, okay. I, yes, go ahead. So um, I just want to remind people if after watching Grey's Anatomy or listening to this episode, if you need help, please call 1-800-656-HOPE. Um, it's the number to rain. Um, it'll connect you to a trained staff member from a sexual assault provider in your area and they'll be able to help you get through whatever you're going through. Um, you know, Amanda and I were not trained in psychology or we're not therapists or anything like that, but I think it is really important that there are out, out like there are outlets there. If you have suffered through something like this and don't know what to do, um, rain is the best that is out there. So that is my addition to the episode. That's a good addition. Um, I don't think I can top that. <laughs> so <laughs> we will close um, on that note. Thank you again for tuning in. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. And please tell all your friends and family to subscribe. You can find us on Google Play, Spotify, and iTunes. And please leave us a review. We will love you forever. Um, not that we don't already, but we will love you times two. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, all right. Well, that wraps up this episode of Grey's Anatomy. Oh my gosh, Grey's Anatomy. This episode <laughs> of Not Your Average Feminist. Oh, Grey's thank Anatomy. you. Um, this wraps up this episode of the Not Your Average Feminist podcast. Until next time. Yay. Catch you later. Bye.